Praise the Lord. I am Rajat and you are listening to Biblical Demand Podcast where we discuss and answer difficult questions raised against the Bible, God and the Christian faith. In the Gospel according to Apostle John chapter 8 verse 32, Jesus said, "And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free." Amen. So let's get started. Welcome to Biblical Demand and today our guest is Dr. Frank Turek. It's a joy to have you here, sir. It's great being on with you, Rajat. I hope you're well. Thanks for having me. So Before we begin, tell us about his story that how did you come to know Jesus? Well, I grew up in a Roman Catholic home, but I never really knew who Jesus was. It wasn't until I got into the Navy after college and I met the son of a Methodist minister uh, that we went to a Baptist church service and I had a lot of questions for him. So many questions that he couldn't answer. And he finally said, that you need to get Josh McDowell books evidence demands a verdict in more than a carpenter and i saw you just had Josh on your show recently so this was uh, let's see this was about 35 years ago 36 years ago 1985 and Josh had written those books uh, back in the early 70s and so i came to faith through apologetics i came to faith through evidence and so after the navy i wanted to learn more about it and uh, I wound up meeting Dr. Norman Geisler who had written numerous books on apologetics and uh, so we wrote a couple of books together Legislating Moralities one and the others called I don't have enough faith to be an atheist and now I have a ministry called crossexamined.org that you mentioned and I go to colleges high schools and churches and we try and present evidence that Christianity is true and we cross examine ideas against it Wow that's not wonderful to hear that you were Roman Catholic but still you have a quest for Jesus and mm-hmm. that's how you encountered with the book more than a carpenter even i have read that book it was really a good book and um, it is really great to know that you know we are uh, we have such books available and your books also to make the christianity more stronger and make it more evidential So sir uh, you widely speak on atheism and you also have debated with leading up uh, atheist uh, Dr Christopher Hitchens so why do you think that atheism is a wrong world view or a belief well because i don't think it explains very much of reality it doesn't explain where the universe came from why the universe is fine tuned it doesn't explain where the first life came from it doesn't even explain where subsequent life forms come from i think there's a lot of problems with the theory of macroevolution doesn't explain why there are objective moral values it doesn't explain why the laws of logic and the laws of math actually exist it doesn't explain consciousness it doesn't explain uh the evidence that jesus rose from the dead and that he did miracles and it doesn't explain old testament prophet it doesn't explain so much about reality whereas i think there's evidence uh for everything that the christian world view purports on those issues that there is a creator that he fine tuned the universe that his nature is the ground for logic and mathematics that we have a mind and we can know things about the real world because we're made in the image of the great mind that there are objective moral values certain things are really right and certain things are really wrong and anything that deviates from god's nature would be considered evil that um Jesus really did rise from the dead the old testament prophecies are explained because god supernaturally uh gave those insights to the prophets so they could tell the truth about what would happen to Jesus and the apostles so i think there's a lot of evidence that christianity's true and uh there's counter evidence to atheism being true i don't think atheism's true in fact i don't even think you could know atheism were true because 
if the materialistic viewpoint is true, that we don't have a mind, we just have a brain, and every thought we have is the result of a previous natural cause, or it's, it's a result of the laws of physics, if we're nothing but moist robots, then we shouldn't believe anything we think, including the thought that atheism is true. So materialistic atheism really makes reason impossible. Absolutely, absolutely. So we can say that atheism, just like uh, any other religion, but without evidences, without, uh, you know, no foundation, right? Yes. And I would say the very fact that there's evidence for anything, that the world is orderly and we can ascertain and discover truths about the real world outside of our skulls, that should tell us that this world is put together and our minds are put together by someone who's orderly, <laughs> that we can get evidence and we can come to conclusions that tell you the truth about the real world or that are the truth about the real world. That's why I think some, some form of theism is true, not atheism. Now, I think the right form of theism is Christianity because I think there's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Absolutely. Amen. That's wonderful. That, I mean, they can't explain a lot of things. I mean, they just, uh, you know, this is the vague argument on this. So as you spoke about the morality, and as Christians, we, we know that God is a moral lawgiver and he decides what is right and what is wrong. So how do we rationally respond to this particular question that where, where does morality come from? Morality is grounded in God's nature that his nature is what we call good. And even people who lived many years ago would say that what we mean by God is the being who is maximally good, that his nature is the ground of goodness. If there is no God, then there is no standard of goodness. Everything is just a matter of opinion. It's just your opinion against someone else's opinion, if there is no God. And so, God is the standard of goodness, and any deviation from God would be what we would call evil. Now, we're not saying that atheists don't know morality. They do. It's written on their hearts just like it's written on anyone else's heart. We're not saying that atheists can't be good people. They can be. What we're saying is that atheists can't justify morality, that there's no reason, there is no such thing as goodness in an objective sense unless God exists, and there is no reason to be good, whatever good means by someone's definition, unless there's a purpose to life, unless that God does exist and we're made in his image. Otherwise, there's no real value to human beings. There's no real value to life. We're all going to die and become worm food anyway. What's the point? Yeah, so there's no such thing as subjective morality. We Christians believe there is objective morality, right? Yes, that, that ob objective morality is in the object, God's nature, and any deviation from that nature would be what we would call evil. Now, this doesn't mean that Christians believe that every moral issue is clearly understood. There may be moral issues that we're, we're not quite sure what the right answer is, but on the big issues, we know, for example, murder's wrong. We know that stealing's wrong. We know that rape is wrong, right? We know these things are, we know it's wrong to torture babies for fun. Okay, if that's, if that's really true, then there has to be a standard outside of ourselves that we're obligated to obey, which, which basically tells us that 
torturing babies for fun is wrong. If torturing babies for fun is wrong, there must be a standard of righteousness that we're obligated to obey that says we ought not torture babies for fun. And that's what we mean by God's nature. Yeah, I mean, there's one more example of that. Uh, you know, many people believe that, as we know, that terrorist Osama bin Laden, he killed people and people say that according to him, it was right because his country people, countrymen are being tortured and being killed. So he just did it. Uh, for the good of his people. So do you, uh, how do you respond to such examples? Well, I would say that if we were to go to his country, well, let's, let, let's use the example that, that occurred here in the United States about 20 years ago, that he, he, he flew planes right. into buildings with innocent people in them, innocent people in the planes and innocent people in the buildings. And he thought that was an act of righteousness because we were evil, okay? The question is, where is he getting this notion of good and evil from? And secondly, how do you think he would have reacted if we had taken his innocent people on his planes and flown them into his buildings with his innocent people in them? He would say that's absolutely wrong. In other words, a lot of times you don't know right from wrong best by your actions. You know right from wrong best on your reactions. In other words, how do you react when evil is done to you? Then you go, oh, that's wrong. Look, I may not think stealing is wrong when I steal from you, but what do I say the second you steal from me? Hey, that's wrong, okay? And you can suppress the truth about morality to do your own thing. Paul talks about this in Romans 1, that we suppress the truth in unrighteousness to go our own way, to do our own thing, to sin, in other words. We can do that and wind up with a depraved mind, which maybe Osama bin Laden had at that point, but... We still know right and wrong. We just suppress the truth about it because we want to do our own thing. Yes, absolutely. That, as you said, that we already know whether you're a believer or non-believer that what is right and wrong, but we surpass that truth, right? So, correct. So, uh, I think R.C. Paul also said that about atheism is that there is no lack of evidences, but the suppression of the evidences by... Yes. Right. Yes, we suppress the evidence to go our own way. This is why I normally ask atheists this question on college campus campuses where I speak. If they express any hostility to anything that I'm saying, if they get up to the microphone for Q&A, I will ask them this question. I will ask, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And I've had atheists stand at the microphone in front of a lot of people and say, no. And I'll say, no. How's that reasonable? How's that rational? You're claiming you're reasonable, and I ask you if something were true, would you believe it? And you say, no, how's that reasonable? It's not. The problem isn't here. The problem's here. They don't want it to be true. They don't want there to be a God. They want to be God of their own lives, and God is going to get in the way of what they want to do. You see, they're not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest, right. and they're just going to believe whatever they think is going to make them happy. So I always ask the question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? And I recommend people ask that question to their non-Christian friends, because what you're going to get is one of three answers. You're going to get, yes, I would believe it. You're going to get hesitation, meaning, uh-oh, or you're going to get no. Now, if you get hesitation or no, it means, <laughs> it means no, they're, they're not open. You can give them all the evidence in the world, and they're not going to believe, because they don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. Even I think Peter, uh, first Peter says that the people are willingly ignorant to the truth, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, moving on to this one, uh, another 
question we face that uh, we believe that Jesus is God and he died and rose up again. So if Jesus is God, then how can he die? I and mean, how can God die? I mean, how do you respond to this question? Yeah, that's a good question. Because whenever you ask a question about Jesus, you always have to ask two questions. Because Jesus had two natures. He had a divine nature and a human nature. So you ask, how could Jesus die? Could he die as God? No. Could he die as man? Yes. Did Jesus get hungry? As God, no. As man, yes. Did Jesus know all things? As God, yes. As man, no. So there's two natures in Jesus. And that's the way you can deal with these questions. They're good questions. But you have to, de you have to decide which nature you're talking about or discover which nature you're talking about to answer the question because he is a being with two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. And the reason he has two natures is because if he is going to bridge the gap between God and man, he's got to be both God and man. And as the perfect man, he represents us. He lives the perfect life in our place, and he takes the punishment of God on himself, so we don't have to take the punishment of God on ourselves for the sins that we've, we've done. Jesus takes our punishment for, for us. Absolutely. So basically, as Bible says that Jesus has both nature, man, and uh, God. And at some points, he just acted like humans, like he was hungry, he was thirsty. But when he died, he died as a man, but he rose up again. Mm -hmm. that, is the, that is again his divine nature, he rose up again. Mm -hmm. right? So that's how we differentiate on the situations. Yes. Yes, he, he rose from the dead and he's rising from the dead to prove he's God. And therefore, if he rose from the dead and he's proving he's God, whatever he teaches is true. Jesus taught the entire Old Testament as the word of God and he promised the New Testament. And look, I just have a personal policy. If somebody rises from the dead, I just believe whatever the guy says. Okay. <laughs> and Jesus rose from the dead. So he's saying, I'm God and you ought to listen to what I say. Hmm, absolutely. So uh, moving on to this question that I, I'm sure that you must have heard many times an atheist says, unless God reveals himself personal to me, I will not believe. Once he, believe, once he reveals himself, then only I'm going to believe. So, so, uh, so why does God not tell everyone personally that he exists? Well, you mean verbally? Because yeah. I think he does tell us through his effects. You see, that's how we know God exists. We have an effect of God and we reason back to a cause. For example, there's a creation. That's the effect. So we reason back to a cause, a creator. There's design in the universe and design in life. That's the effect. So we reason back to a cause, a designer. We have a moral law pressing on us that tells us we ought to behave a certain way. So that's the effect. So we reason back to a moral law giver. We see Jesus rise from the dead through the testimony of others and what happened after he came. Those are the effects. So we reason back from the effects back to the cause that Jesus actually is God or God rose him from the dead, right? So we're reasoning from effect to cause to discover, uh, to discover the truth about a lot of things, right? Uh, in our country, we had a president by the name of George Washington. Nobody who lives today has ever seen George Washington. But we believe he existed because we have effects left over from him that are best explained by a person, George Washington, who lived over 200 years ago. 
Same thing is true with Jesus, right? We have effects left behind that tell us the truth about a cause known as Jesus 2,000 years ago. Now, uh, an atheist who says, I won't believe in God unless he appears to me, yeah. is putting himself in a position over God. God has to do things my way for him, for me to believe in him, okay? First of all, that's not really engendering any humility in this person, is it? God, you better do things my way or I'm not going to believe in you. It's like a child saying to his dad, dad, if you don't do things my way, I'm not going to do X, Y, or Z, right? <laughs> and, yes. and God wants us, God wants to develop humility in us. He doesn't want to develop pride in us. Pride is what comes before the fall. And if we're, gonna, if we're gonna say, God, you have to show up on my terms, otherwise I won't trust in you, then you're claiming that you're in a position of authority over God. And that couldn't lead to a more prideful position than anything I can think of, right? It's all about pride, right. it's all about me. I want things my way. I think there, let me put it this way, that there's enough evidence to know that God exists, but there's also, God gives us enough freedom. He doesn't compel our belief, by overwhelming us, uh, overwhelming us with evidence that we still have free will. We can go our own way Correct. And, and say, look, I don't think there's a God. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to suppress the truth I know about God, and I'm going to go my own way. That way, we are truly free to do our own thing. But if God were to show up to us all the time, he'd be like a stalker. God, leave me alone. I don't want you. I want to do my own thing, right? Yeah. So maybe, yeah. So they, here was the concept of free will also that in addition to your uh, right so god wants people mm -hmm. to know him then come to him instead of god uh, you know uh, forcibly converting them or telling them about himself let me mention one other thing about this too that there was yes. a, a writer years ago by the name of soren kierkegaard he had a good illustration on this he said suppose there was a prince in an area that he had jurisdiction over that he ruled and he saw a beautiful peasant woman that he immediately fell in love with as soon as he saw her from a distance. And he went to his father, the king, and he said, how can I win this woman, this peasant? Um, how can I win her to be my queen? And uh, my wife and ultimately the queen. And the father says, well, if you go to her as the prince, then she might just go with you because of what she's going to get out of you. She might just be overwhelmed with your power because you're the prince and you have a lot of power, you have a lot of riches, and you're, you're going to make her the queen one day. She might just go with you to get that. The only way you're going to know if she really loves you is if you renounce the crown and become a peasant yourself and try and win her as a peasant. And then if she marries you, you'll know she loves you for you, not for what you have. Well, that's what Jesus does for us. He renounces the throne, at least temporarily. He comes down to earth. He adds flesh to his deity, and he becomes one of us, and he allows us to beat and torture and ultimately murder him so he could win us. He Absolutely. doesn't overwhelm us. He doesn't come with power, at least in his first coming. He'll come in his second coming with power. He doesn't come with power to say, okay, this is it. You're either on my side or you're not. He comes as a suffering servant. And that way, we can truly love him, not for what he has, but for who he is. 
Beautiful. That's a really a good story and a good example to, <clears throat> to tackle this question. So uh, uh, moving on to, uh, the, the, you, you wrote a book on that, uh, why atheists need God to make their case. Could you just tell us a little about your book? Sure. Stealing from God, why atheists need God to make their case. I've noticed that when atheists are arguing there is no God, they're actually stealing aspects of reality that would only exist if God existed in order to say he doesn't exist. Let me give you an example. The, the book is, is um, organized around an acronym, meaning a series of letters that stand for other things. Crimes, C-R-I-M-E-S. C stands for causality, R stands for reason, I stands for information and intentionality. M stands for morality, E stands for evil, and S stands for science. And these are things that atheists often say point to atheism when I say, no, they all point to actually theism. Let me just, I'll just look at one of these. It's a, it's a long book, so I can't <laughs> cover them all. But let's look at evil for a second, right? Uh, atheists often say there's too much evil in the world, so there can't be a good God. But actually, they're actually showing there is a God by complaining about evil. Why? Because there'd be no such thing as evil unless there was good. And there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed, because God's nature is what we mean by good. Because evil does not exist on its own. Evil is like cancer. If you take all the cancer out of a body, you got a better body. What happens if you take all the body out of the cancer? It doesn't exist. Evil can't exist without good. Cancer can't exist without a good body. Evil is like rust in a car. If you take all the rust out of a car, you have a better car. But if you try and take all the car out of the rust, what do you have? Nothing. It doesn't exist on its own. So evil can only exist in a good thing. But good in an objective sense, in other words, it's not just my opinion, but it's a standard beyond me, can only exist if God exists, because God's nature is what we mean by good. So evil does not disprove God. Evil may prove there's a devil out there, but it can't disprove God because there'd be no such thing as evil unless there was good, and there'd be no such thing as good unless God existed. So what I'm saying is when atheists are saying there's too much evil in the world, there can't be a good God, they're actually stealing good from God to even know what evil was, okay? So if evil exists, God exists. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. If evil exists, God exists. Not because God is doing evil, but because he's the standard of good by which we'd even know what evil was. Wow, that's a really a good example that if, there, if, I mean, atheists claim that there is evil, they are assuming, I mean, they don't, indirectly they're pointing, indicating towards God, right? Yes. So so those who are listening, those who are interested, you can order the book. It's in the link in the description box. So moving on to the next and the last question, which I actually ask every guest that what advice would you give to the young Christians, those who are in this internet age where other worldviews and culture is so compelling. So how they can, you know, be firm in their faith or how can they actually well, differentiate between the right and wrong information? Yeah, Paul says, test all things don't believe every spirit so when you see something on the internet you're not exactly sure of or even if you think it's true but it contradicts christianity go to other places and try and get answers we have a website crossexamine.org some of your previous guests josh mcdowell 
uh, Michael Kona, uh, you had um, JP Moreland on, right? Um, yes. My friend Greg Kokel at Stand a Reason, that's a very good website. Uh, we have links on our website uh, to other websites that will help you get good answers to some of the challenges that you're hearing. I would also say, remember that if you have an intellectual challenge to Christianity, again, you're presupposing that this world is orderly and that you ought to follow evidence. Well, why is that? Because this world is put together, this reality is constructed or it's built on the grid of a mind, the mind of God. And maybe, okay, Christianity might not be true, but there is a God who this whole reality is set up on. Now, I think when you look at the evidence for Christianity, I think we should conclude that Christianity is true, and that is the true God, the Christian God. But to say that atheism is true, I don't think that makes any sense at all. Because, we, first of all, we have to use our minds. And again, if we're just made of molecules and we don't have a mind, we just have a brain, why should we trust anything we think? And why should we follow evidence anywhere unless God exists? Um, because if God doesn't exist, evidence shouldn't work. There should, there should be no evidence. There should be chaos, right? But it's not chaos. The world is not chaotic. It's very orderly. It's very precise. It's very designed. And we wouldn't even be here unless it was. Yeah, great. So this is a very great advice that if you have questions, you uh, must ask the questions. And if you need, I mean, if it is, if it is an, uh, it's on an intellectual basis, you can go to Dr. Frank's website called uh, crossexamine.org and other apologists' uh, websites also. So where you can actually find the reasons and the evidences for the, you know, for the hope you have in Christ Jesus. So Dr. Frank, it was really nice to have you here and I really appreciate your time and the, the answers you gave. Though I know it, these questions demands more time, but I really thank you for your time. Well, thank you very much, Rajat. I appreciate you having me on.